Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jeremiah Roberts, one of the co-hosts here at Cultish. Going to bring you to our brand new episode in just a moment. Before we do, it's going to talk to you about our sponsor of this podcast. It's currently brought to you by Mission First Coffee. Uh, they have a great, it's a fantastic company, have some really great tasting coffees. If you want to check them out, go to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash cultish. And if you do that, 10% of the proceeds will go towards cultish and it also will help support uh, the ministry as a whole. There's a broad variety of different missions and ministries that this organization supports. So there you won't, you not just help cultish, but you also support a bunch of other great organizations. And also you'll get some really fantastic and delicious coffee. Also it's brought to you by forged beard company. Our good friend Jeremy Rule has is has just started his brand new startup with a bunch of really fantastic beer products. There's some great uh, smelling beard oils, uh, some beard balms, and he's going to be adding more products to his lineup. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, go to forgedbeardco.com. That's forgedbeardco.com. Uh, go ahead and when you go there, use the promo code Cultish at checkout and you should get 10% off of your order and also 15% of the proceeds will go towards Coltish and helping this ministry. And as always, a program like this cannot continue without your support. So if you want to go and help us out, continue this program, go to the show.com. You can go to the donate tab and donate one time or monthly. And also don't forget to go to shopcultish.com to check out all our Coltish merch as we are approaching the colder part of the season. Lots of great different cultish items, cultish hoodies you can get uh, so you can stay warm during the colder season. All right, so our guest uh, today, once again, is Marsha Montenegro from Christian Answers for the New Age. Had a great conversation kind of reviewing a lot of the uh, TikTok people <laughs> on uh, TikTok who are into witchcraft and, and trying to figure out how do we respond to the claims being made, and even the younger generations. So we had a great time kind of really unpacking a lot of the underlying worldviews behind the world of witchcraft and Wicca. So all that being said, uh, enjoy the podcast and enjoy. My name is Eddie, and I was in a call. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us started as an effort by a charismatic preacher to build a new society, but it ended, of course, with the tragic deaths of more than 900 people. Please, for God's sakes, let's get on with it. We've lived, we've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. This is a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us. You're in a cult, I love you, and I want you out of it and with Christ. But you're, you're, you're... All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cultish, Entering the Kingdom of the Cults. My name is Jeremiah Roberts. I am one of the co-hosts here. As always, I am here uh, joined uh, by Andrew, the super sleuth of the show, up in Harriman, Utah. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's Herman. 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 Well, I think you're like, yeah, I'm getting better there. I thought, well, last time you pronounced, you told me to pronounce Harry Man, so I was close. Herman, yeah. Utah. Yes. And you, you're up there with your little cultish office, little cultish setup. And now we're even, I feel like now we're more serious because people, other people can't see it. I can actually see you. There's this giant plasma screen TV where I can see, I can see your full mug. So 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's just praise God for technology. So it's always always awesome to have you sleuthing around and co-hosting with me. Uh, super excited for this episode. Uh, we are back with Marsh Montenegro. Uh, we are going to be doing a follow-up today from our previous episode talking about Wicca and witchcraft. And we are going to be kind of going through uh, really some TikTok or we call like encountering uh, witch talk, TikTok. Uh, we talked about in our last episode that just the prominence of just the occult of witchcraft, Wicca, uh, people who are psychics, mediums, the whole celebrity, micro celebrity culture that's kind of been given to us via social media, it can be used. Technology is a great thing. I mean, we're here together, Andrew. We're utilizing technology. We're going to broadcast out this episode. It's going to get thousands of downloads. Uh, people are going to view it thousands of times on YouTube, which is great, but also it can be utilized uh, for things not so good, which we're going to talk about. And so we are joined once again by Marcia Montenegro. Uh, it's good to join you. It's good for you to join us again. How are you? Hey, hi there. Oh, it's great to be back with you guys. It's always um, it's always fun and interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always, always. And challenging. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, you've, uh, you, if you guys haven't, uh, if you're brand new to the podcast, we've done episodes on the Enneagram. Uh, we've done ones on astrology. Uh, we just wrapped up uh, just the recent, most recent episode kind of going in really in depth over kind of the history and a level-headed way to uh, viewing the world of witchcraft and Wicca and, and all of that. Uh, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be just kind of doing rapid fire as, as fast as we can because we were talking about how again, the occult has really influenced the new generation. And so all these clips you're going to hear are from the social media platform, TikTok. And so we're going to be respond, have you uh, respond to these and kind of give, and we also, so we want to give you all just to, when we play these clips, just understand this is just the pulse of the marketplace of the upcoming generation. You might call it Gen Z. I think these, uh, young people would fall under that category. Uh, I know that I'm Gen X. I would fall into that category too. Uh, but as always, uh, since you're with us, we have to play our honorary clip to inter- to bring you in. Oh, so yeah. uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, introduce you by this. Release the kraken. <laughs> yes, I love it. Every time, right. it never gets yeah. old, bro. I've yeah. gotten I've gotten uh, very feeling very affectionate towards that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. And just before we jump in, in case this is the first cultist episode that someone has listened to or they haven't heard even the previous episode, even though you're on with us this uh, couple days ago, just tell them just real quickly about who you are and what makes you somewhat of an authority to kind of talk on the subject of witchcraft, Wicca, New Age, and all that. Okay, sure. Yes, I was involved in what's called the New Age for many years, at least 20 years. My interest really started before that. And I uh, was involved also in Eastern religions, but I was a professional astrologer and I took classes in or dabbled in other areas such as tarot cards, numerology, uh, psychic development, past life regression. Uh, I, you know, I just, <laughs> I was, I was into a lot of different areas, not every single area of the new age, that would be impossible. There's so many, but mm-hmm. a lot of them. And I had friends, of course, who were psychics, mediums. Um, oh yeah. Contacting the dead was another area I delved into uh, psychics, mediums, astrologers. It's and witches and Wiccans. So a lot of my clients as an astrologer 
were witches and Wiccans. And um, I actually spent time with them on a, on a few retreats. And so uh, I was familiar with uh, not, and it wasn't just one community of Wiccans and witches. There were five different groups I knew of personally at the time when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I was during this whole new age life. Mm. Okay. Well, good. That's a, that's a great summary. And I appreciate you uh, uh, giving us that. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I believe we played this for you last time. So this is a clip of a young lady who is trying to uh, make an interesting equivalent uh, because a lot of them, what's interesting is that she is aware that the Bible is not friendly uh, towards witchcraft. And Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 18 is very specific in regards to these particular practices that are an abomination towards God. But look, in this one, this is a young lady, and she is uh, trying to make a very interesting equivalent. So I'm just going to go ahead and play this clip, and we'll go ahead and just maybe spend 10 to 15 minutes or so packing this apart, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So here's the first clip. So people want to say that it's impossible for me to be a Christian and a witch. I just have a couple things to say about that. Immaculate conception. Witchcraft. Rising from the dead. Witchcraft. Stars leading to a baby. Witchcraft. Gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Witchcraft. Walking on water. Witchcraft. Turning water into wine. Witchcraft. Healing people instantaneously. Witchcraft. Okay, so there is a there's a very uh, conclusive thirty two second uh, argument, and this is what you'll see. You know, TikToks are usually thirty to sixty seconds long, where people yeah. just kind of throw in their points. So, is there right. any that is this a valid argument? So we just pack our pack up our bags and go home and say, well, we had a good run. Uh, we don't <laughs> no. have any way to answer that, or, or or is there a better way to answer that? I'd love to hear your thoughts, oh, Marcia. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, first of all, several of the things she mentions there are miracles from God. And she's equating miracles with witchcraft uh, because they're both uh, put into the category of the supernatural. Now, of course, miracles are the real supernatural. A miracle um, from a Christian viewpoint is a power that God exercises. God does something miraculously that goes beyond the natural. It's not contrary to the natural, but it is beyond the natural. It's something that man can't do on his own. So when, uh, for example, Jesus raised uh, Lazarus, who had been dead for three days, this was a miracle. But of course, Jesus as God has power over life and death. Just as when God brought Samuel back in Mm -hmm. 1 Samuel 28. And then there's another story. I think it was Elijah who raises the widow's son, uh, the uh, the widow's dead son. It's either Elijah or Elisha. I think it's Elijah. That power was given to him by, by God. So God has power over life and death. God also has power over creation. So Jesus walking on water is not witchcraft. That is his power over creation, just as when he rebuked the sea and the wind. And when there was a a very bad storm uh, on the lake and he was in the boat with the disciples and they thought they were going to drown. And Jesus just rebukes the sea and the wind and they obey him. They obey him because he's God. 
Now, another point to make here is that witchcraft can't do any of these things. They cannot really, they can't walk on water. They can't heal instantaneously and they can't raise the dead. Uh, witchcraft has absolutely no power to do any of those things. So this is probably a good place for me to have a little footnote on, <laughs> on what I think about whether there is power in witchcraft or not. And here's what I think. I do not think the people doing witchcraft actually have power. I think that in some cases, not all, depending on what they're doing, there is a demonic supernatural power, but it is very minimal compared to what God does. It's very minimal. They can't, no witch can go out in the middle of a storm and make the sea and wind obey her or him. No witch can do that and has ever done it and never will do it. They can't do any of those things Jesus did. So what, she, what she's doing in that little 30-second um, clip there is trying to equate miracles with what she believes are supernatural powers and witchcraft. Um, and I, this is not uncommon because it's, it's not unusual that you find among New Agers and, and occultists the idea that many things in the Bible were done with magic. For example, um, it's often um, said that Moses um, and the rod that he had or that Aaron's rod uh, was really a wand and really was used for magical power. So all the miraculous things they did were magic. Um, so this idea is not, is not a new idea. But the, but the problem is they can't support this with any real life verified examples because there's nothing, there's no way they can replicate any of the miracles of the Bible. Uh, so, you know, that's really the main point. I'm trying to remember all, was everything she listed a miracle? I can't remember everything. Well, one of the, well, once she even listed the, the Immaculate Conception, or really, okay. it, it, again, she gave a couple examples in that 30 seconds, but I think she was really appealing. She just really, it seemed to be just really anything remotely coming across as supernatural. I think that right. was the gist of her argument, which right. is right. flawed. Just real quick. Right. I think it, it's obviously flawed because what Deuteronomy 18 is saying is saying this is a certain particular category of the supernatural that's off limits. This is a yeah. no fly zone, exactly. but that's not, but that's not indicative of that. And so even like the immaculate conception or even really just, which is a byproduct of the, inc the incarnation is a byproduct that the Bible versus the new age would even would look at some dualism where the suit, you know, the, the physical is bad, but there's an emphasis on the supernatural or something of that nature. Whereas biblical Christianity makes perfect sense of both the supernatural and the flesh. It's not this misbalance uh, of categories. And so, you know, she's just, she's making just a very bad categorical error, but it's, it's very indicative of the type of reasoning that is, that we have in this very uh, postmodern TikTok culture that we're observing just in that 30 second clip. Yeah. Can I? Yes. Uh, and, and actually, oh, I'm sorry. Did you oh, want to say something? I just want to kind of piggyback off what you're saying to you, Marsha. I want to read Galatians 5, 19 through 20. Okay. Okay. It says this, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and I'll just stop yeah. there. You can continue on. The point that I'm going to make right now is exactly what Marsha was saying is these people who are uh, witches, Wiccans, they need some type of ritual or medium or some way to try to 
uh, transcend this material reality into a supernatural right. existence in order to recreate something that where God, he doesn't need mediums. He doesn't need any of these things. The miracles right. flow from his nature. He is God and he is transcendent right. yet imminent over all things. So he doesn't need an object like a staff. He doesn't need uh, a pentagram drawn with a circle with candles on each point. It's just not, that's just not uh, the same things. Like you were saying as well, Jerry, it's a false equivalence to miracles and the creature needing some type of ritual or medium to, to go past the material and into the supernatural essentially. Right. That's a, those are very good points. There is, there has to be some kind of tool and or ritual and or calling on a spirit, a God, a force, an elemental spirit of nature or something like that um, to supposedly make this supernatural power work. So you're right. It is it, it, it you're they're dependent on something else. And of course, and even then they can't replicate what God does. But you're right. There's a very big difference. Whereas with God, it's not any kind of effort or special you know, thing God has to do in order to get, in order to, you know, for Jesus to calm the storm, he just simply commanded the Amen. sea and the wind to stop. He just said, stop. And that was, that was all that was needed. There was no ritual at all. Um, I wanted to, I think I, I could be wrong, but I, I want to clear this up. She said immaculate conception. I think that refers to Mary. I think that refers to the conception of Mary, doesn't it? Not oh yeah, the virgin. Well, the virgin, the virgin birth. Yeah. Yeah, I think I. She may have said it, thinking it means the virgin birth, but um, I don't think they're the same thing. I need to double check that. I think immaculate conception is a Roman Catholic thing about Mary. Yeah. But it, it, let's take the virgin birth. Okay, that was definitely a. You know, it's usually not called a miracle, but it was definitely a supernatural thing that theologians still discuss and debate because we still don't totally understand understand you know we know the holy spirit overshadowed mary there was some kind of supernatural thing going on jesus was still uh fully human and conceived and was in mary's womb just like any baby today is in the womb but the conception was a supernatural conception and that was Certainly, there's nothing like that in the world of witchcraft. Um, so, yeah, the the thing is, this can be confusing. The, you know, the people who watch TikTok being probably mostly, I imagine, probably largely under maybe 25 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, very young, maybe, you know, 13, 14, 15, are going to hear something like this and think she has a point because... Uh, that age group is in an un, part of an unchurched generation, and they aren't exposed to any kind, in most cases, any kind of biblical knowledge or understanding. And they may hear things here and there from the Bible, but they don't really understand it. So in their minds, when they hear this, and I hope some of them are listening or get this podcast somehow, um, I hope they understand that everything she said is is false because there's a difference between the miracles of god and what witches claim are their supernatural powers hmm. so that's and since god does condemn witchcraft another point is since god condemns it he certainly wouldn't use it 
Mm. So he does. God's not going to use something. He condemns, uh, you know, casting spells or call, you know, calling on spirits, etc. Now God can do things that we can't do, but He's always in harmony with His nature and who He is. Mm. That's right. So, That's right. the the ga- The angel Gabriel didn't come to Mary and tell Mary, "Hey, you need to perform X, Y, and Z." in order for the Holy Spirit to come and put a baby inside of you. No, God yeah. put the baby, the, the incarnation of Jesus Christ inside of Mary. Mary didn't do some ritual. She didn't do a seance. Right. She didn't contact the right. dead. No, God right. came to her. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, so second one, we'll just jump into the really great points. And I think this is good to kind of just break down a very thorough, uh, you know, thoroughly a 30 second TikTok clip. But again, this is just indicative of this upcoming generation and, and how they, how they're thinking through these things. Uh, so the next category is, uh, this is someone making the argument. The title is called Christian witches worship creation. So, uh, we'll just go ahead and hit play. I don't even know okay. what they're going to say. We've got 30 to 60 seconds. We'll, we'll see what comes out the other end and, uh, okay. we'll, we'll see what happens here. So here we go. Yes, of course you can. Witchcraft is not a religion, it's just a practice. Many Christian witches actually see it as worshipping God through witchcraft. This is because they're working with and worshipping the thing that he created, which is the earth and nature. To Christians, God created everything. God created the universe, the world, so he created energy and nature. So a really great way that a lot of Christian witches practice Christianity is by working with what God gifted them. And I'm not a Christian witch, I just know many Christian witches, and that's what they've told me. Witchcraft itself is not a religion, it's just a practice with nature. And your journey with it is your own, and it can be however you want it to be. And don't let anybody tell you different. I hope this helped. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, That is uh, some some interesting argumentation. Uh, you can see a lot of postmodern relativism, especially at the end, kind of this what is truth. Everyone's on their own unique journey and path, and she's mm-hmm. making sort of an equivalence with, you know, God creating all things. And, that, and so there's an, always an element where some of the things she's saying is true. Right. But there's a slight right. deviation. I think about the interaction, I believe, when some of the apostles in the book of Acts, you know, there's someone, so there's a lady who's under a different spirit and says, look, they are proclaiming a way. Right. So they were, t- they were kind of proclaiming, she was affirming what they were saying, but there was a slight distortion in it. So she's a, making an equivalence. Yeah. God did create these things. He did create energy, I guess you could call it, or, or all those, all the ins and outs of physics and all that. But it's, again, she's using it as a means to an end. That's, that's what I caught on. But what are your thoughts off of that clip? Okay. Yeah. I have several. Um, first of all, yeah, you're right that there's often a little bit of truth and in falsehoods so you know when she acknowledges god created everything he created the universe yes that's true christians believe that um the problem is is that because god created everything it doesn't make everything sacred um god is the only one who should be worshiped and god was is very clear about this in fact it's one of the most you know one of the clearest themes of the Bible is that you are to worship only the true God. Um, And of course, as Christians, we believe in the Trinity, the Trinitarian God. Uh, God is one, three distinct 
persons, uh, we say persons, we don't mean human persons, although Jesus is also fully human. But so God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all co-equal and co-eternal, distinct, but not separate from each other. And they are not each other. So God is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not God the Father. God the Father is not Jesus, etc. So we have one God and Jesus affirmed this and you worship only God. In fact, when Jesus was tempted um, in the wilderness, Satan tried to get Jesus to worship him, said, I will give you all this if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, but it's written, you only you are to worship only God. So creation is not sacred. Creation is from God, but God and God is everywhere. This is an important point to make. God is everywhere, but he is distinct from creation. He's not in creation. He's not a part of creation. Creation is not a part of God. Um, and this is a, a confusion that you find in lots of places, even in Christianity. But that, that's a principle that probably in witchcraft and the New Age, they don't believe or understand. Um, another thing about what she said, I, I, I want to mention this because she said it twice. She said, witchcraft is um, not a religion, it's a practice. And I want to address that because actually it's both. It is a practice. And when the Bible was written, um, actually, there's I covered this in the other program on, on Wiccan witchcraft. There is no Hebrew word for witchcraft. So we probably ought to say that in this program as well. Um, there's no Hebrew word for witchcraft. So when you see that word in the English Bibles, uh, the English language Bibles, you may think, well, if there's no Hebrew word for it, why is it there? <laughs> it's because it is the equivalent for the practice of certain um, occult arts, such as divination um, and contacting the dead. Those practices were considered part of witchcraft when Bibles were translated. And witchcraft can be a it can be defined as practicing certain occult practices. If you look at it as a generic term um, and not a not a a religious term. Okay. So witchcraft as a religion came about in the 20th century, actually, even though there's people who claim it was witchcraft was a religion before, that's not true. It came about in the 20th century as a, what we would call a religion with certain practices and beliefs and people following certain set guidelines. Um, and actually, I think the Supreme Court, I could be wrong, I think the Supreme Court declared Wicca um, or witchcraft or religion a number of years ago, because I know that people in the military who are witches and die as witches, I think are allowed to have a witchcraft symbol on their gravestone, hmm. um, like if they want the pentagram. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I could be wrong. That's also true for Satanism. So I may be thinking of Satanism and not witchcraft, but I'm pretty sure Wiccan witchcraft has been recognized as a religion, if not by the Supreme Court, at least by the culture. And right. a lot of Wiccans and witches will say it's a religion. So it's kind of funny that she's saying it's not a religion because a lot of Wic Wiccans and witches have worked very hard to promote the idea um, of it being a religion. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whether it's just, it's, it's definitely a practice. And I think it's a recognized religion. I have no problem calling it a religion. 
I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but to me, it's kind of beside the point, whether it's a, a practice or a religion, what we have to look at is the content. What does it teach? What kind of beliefs does it have? And how do those compare to the Bible? And really nothing in Wicca or witchcraft um, is compatible with the Bible beyond the idea of if they want to say God created everything. Um, okay, that's compatible. There's one other point I want to make, and that is she used the word energy. And I want to say that there's often a false equivalence with this word, because usually when someone in the occult or the new age uses the word energy, they don't mean physical energies like electrical energy. Okay, they, that's usually not what they're talking about. They're talking about supernatural energy. Now, sometimes what happens is, especially in the new age, they try to promote the idea of energy, vibrations and frequencies, especially in healing. They try to promote it as scientific. And so what they'll do is they'll refer to scientific things like electromagnetic frequencies or radio frequencies or some kind of um, actual physical vibration that can be measured. And they'll say, well, see, look at all these things. These are all scientific. And all we're doing is talking about applying the science to healing. But that's not true at all, because the energy in the new age is not physical, it's supernatural. Hmm. And um, so there's a lot of confusion around that word. This is one thing I have been battling in my ministry. And believe me, it's a battle uh, because people are falling for a lot of quackery in the healing arts area because of this confusion um, on energy. So I, I don't know what she meant when she said energy. Mm -hmm. um, she may have meant physical types of energy we can measure but it's likely that she did not mean that or she right. also including supernatural energy so i needed to make a point about that no that's good and of course uh you know just given the worldview the typical worldview of uh new age practices does tend to be pantheistic all is divine all is self and yeah. so it, it would make sense that there would just be an assumption that could be what you know what she was sort of uh, indicating in that. So uh, the next one is kind of interesting. Wait, 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 wait. before yeah. you go on, I want to say something about that yeah, one as it. well. So what's the first commandment, right? I think the way Jesus would respond to these people is the same way he would respond to the Pharisees. Have you not read? Have you not read the first commandment? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, right? Beginning of the Bible. Why is man created to worship God, glorify him forever and to take dominion over creation, right? To take dominion over creation, to understand that there's a separation between what is sacred, like Marcia was saying, which is God, what he defines as holy, himself thrice holy, and what he has created and our dominion and power that we exercise over it as image of God bearers, right? But when you exchange the glory of the immortal God for the creation and worship the creation instead of the creator, that's actually a judgment from God. Because you're actually lowering the position of yourself and the dominion mandate that we're supposed to exercise as Christians. And now you serve and worship the creation. And it's absolutely a religion. I would say the Bible defines that as a religion because you're worshiping something other than the true and living God. Right. Have that you makes not it a read? Religion. Yep. Yes. And Romans 1, I'm glad you mentioned that. You didn't say Romans 1, but you were referring yep. to it. Exactly. Um, I would urge anybody listening to this who 
is wondering what he was referring to, to read the first chapter of Romans, starting around verse 18 or so, 18, 19. It goes into the fact that God has revealed himself. His attributes can be seen in creation. So in other words, and then he says, man has no excuse. In other words, we can all see there is a creator just by no, just by looking at creation, we realize there has to be a creator. And that, and then the woman on that TikTok thing was acknowledging that. Um, if she believes it, she she's acknowledging, yes, God made everything. And that is evident. That's something God says everybody can see for themselves. They don't even have to be told that. But then God goes on and talks about what happens is man suppresses this truth. And he exchanges it for a lie and he starts to worship creation rather than the creator. And then it goes downhill from there. And that's what happens in the next several verses of of that passage in Romans is where God describes that. And like Andrew said, you man worshiping creation, when God actually says he made man in his image, nothing in creation is made in God's image, except man. He Hmm. didn't make trees in his image. He didn't make the rivers in his image. You know, he didn't make the flowers in his image. He only made in the animals. He didn't make the animals in his image. Only man is made in his image. And so man, even though man is fallen and naturally sinful, um, man is still a creation and a level above the animals and nature, although God loves his creation and we are not to abuse it, we ha- we can't worship it because not only then are we not worshiping God, the creator of those things, but we're worshiping something God put us above. So um, that's that's a good point. That's a good point, Andrew. And it's good, I think, to, to bring up Romans 1 there. Amen. Thank you, Marcia. All right. So the next one, it's going to be interesting. This is someone who is uh, wearing some interesting makeup. Uh, you won't be able to see it. We'll play it. We'll play this clip when this uh, goes live on the, on the YouTube channel. This has to do with uh, Christians and spiritual warfare, apparently a witch giving uh, their assessment of it. So let's go ahead and play this clip and see what happens here. And we'll unpack it. Here we go. Spiritual warfare is a normal part of the Christian walk. The enemy is always... So someone pointed this Christian out to me. And this spiritual warfare video is exactly what I was talking about before. Part of their indoctrination into Christianity is that if you don't constantly berate people with your beliefs, you're not a good Christian. So when I tell you that they want to end us and our faith, that's what they preach in their churches. That's what they preach on TikTok. They don't want peace. They want warfare. Just read the video. Okay, so just what that is, uh, I believe it's called a stitch is where one TikToker will respond to another one. So the very beginning of it, it's actually a Christian talking about Ephesians, uh, spiritual warfare, and now she's, uh, this is a witch, then responding to that. So just off the get-go, I mean, what's the mindset of, like, that lady who's making that assumption 
about the Christian referring to this as spiritual warfare. Like, just give me your immediate thoughts and just unpack that however you can for us. Okay. Of course, I don't know what the Christian is actually saying, because I do want to acknowledge the fact that most spiritual warfare teachings I hear about in the church are bad. They are not Mm -hmm. biblical. In fact, a lot of the spiritual war, so-called spiritual warfare teachings in the church, and it may be on that video um, that, that, which uh, referenced, I don't know, are actually more like the occult. It's Mm. actually where they imitate things in the occult and do things like, you know, it's almost like they're, they're doing a counter spell (laughs) or they think they have to say certain words or do certain things. Um, You know, they have to repeat something three times or they have to go to each corner of the house and, and bless it or something. They have some kind of ritual. These are all actually from an occult mindset. And one of my big issues with spiritual warfare in the church is that it is more occultic than biblical. Now, if the woman was, was talking about Ephesians six in a sound way and, and giving a sound interpretation of it, that's another matter. I, and we don't know if she was or not. So this comments on it from the switch, she could have been reacting to something that was actually not biblical, but it is wrong for her to say that Christians um, on the whole are trying to eliminate witches or, you know, trying to do, it's like, like we're in warfare against them. She made it sound like we think we're kind of battling. We think that we're in a war against witches and maybe other people. And of course, that is not a biblical view. If any Christian thinks that, they're not thinking biblically. Because Ephesians 6, spiritual warfare says specifically, our weapons are not flesh. We're not fighting flesh and blood. It says that right there. I mean, it's, um, that's almost an exact quote. You know, we're not, we're not, and we're not using material things in warfare and we're not fighting against people we're fighting against spiritual forces um and actually you know the way i see it and i know there's different views on this but the way that i see it is that god tells us the way that we do this and he gives us the armor right he talks about the breastplate and the helmet and you know the belt and so you've got truth in there and the helmet of salvation and what is it the shield of faith maybe you have Mm -hmm. these different pieces of of equipment that apparently was worn by roman soldiers i think and that's used as metaphors for standing your ground in the faith on the strength and truth of jesus christ we are nothing without Jesus Christ. We can't, right. we can't deal with anything evil in the world on our own and our own strength. I mean, it would just flatten us in two seconds, you know, if God, if God, if God didn't watch over us. So um, the spiritual warfare for a Christian is not to be against witches, but to expose, for example, the false beliefs of witchcraft in order to keep people from being deceived because those beliefs are contrary to what Christ taught and what God teaches. So our desire is for those caught up in witchcraft to see the truth and to see the truth of Christ and see who the real Jesus really is. And and Christians who really love Christ have a passion for that. They care about people 
who are in things like witchcraft. We care about you. We're not against you. We don't want to eliminate you for heaven's sakes. That's the last thing we want to do. We want you to hear about the true Jesus and to know about him. We can't make you believe in him. We wouldn't try to force you to do it. Um, That's contrary to Christianity too. That's anybody who's done that in the name of Christ has done it falsely because you know, there's nothing in the New Testament that endorses forcing people to believe things. So, you know, the way of following Christ is to present the truth and then let God work in that person's mind and heart. And God is the one who reaches people with the truth, but we are to present it and we are to expose teachings that are against God. So that is uh, one level of spiritual warfare. You know, the other levels dealing with evil or dealing with, um, you know, evil things. How do you respond to that? How do you deal with somebody going against you maybe um, when you're trying to maybe preach the gospel or something? And, but, and, but again, you don't go against that person. <laughs> you recognize that Satan opposes Christ and Satan will use people to go against the gospel and and he does uh but we don't we don't go after people as our people are not our enemy <laughs> people right. are not our enemy our enemy is satan but are not people and so that's very important for people in witchcraft and the new age and anybody who is not a christian to understand any idea that that of spiritual warfare that is against people or wants to do away with people that is not coming from god any Christian preaching that is not preaching the Bible. Okay. They're mm-hmm. preaching a, a warped idea they may have. So whatever this woman said on the video, I don't know, but I want to present the biblical view and acknowledge there are people who teach things that are not biblical. There are Christians who teach unbiblical things. So Oh, absolutely. And given and given that again it was on TikTok, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a, a good chance that sometimes <laughs> that that might have been like a really bad example. This was just yeah. a response to it. But yeah. again, it, it shows you and I think one of the things just very interesting is that you know we're doing around a 15 minute response to a 60 second clip that shows you that you know really biblical Christianity and apologetics this is a real this is a work. This is a uh, a working of the intellect. This is a religion of the intellect, where we actually have yeah. to use our minds to think through what yeah. are all these answers. How do we give real answers that we can really think through, versus you know a, a very thirty uh, set thirty to sixty second emotionally charged argument. So, this is another one. Here we go, and this is really interesting too, because you know one of the things that Walter Martin would say. Uh, many a times when you talk to a cultist or a new ager, he would, you know, they would say, well, I believe in Jesus. And Walter Martin would always say, well, which one? In regards to the <laughs> fact that every single person, every cultist, every, everyone always, wa- they have to do something with Jesus. Everyone wants someone, everyone wants Jesus on their team. And in <laughs> fact, uh, Russell Brand, who is a very popular outspoken person and now is sort of becoming his own uh, guru of sorts. He's been doing this now, this world tour where he's kind of giving this talk, giving his insights and in all the different religions of the world. Why well, I haven't heard it. You know, he has a whole segment where he talks about Jesus. And that's just a point to say that every single person, they have to do something with him. So this is someone on TikTok. They're going to make a uh, 30, 30 to 60 second argument that Jesus was a witch. So uh, this should be a very interesting argumentation and we'll, <laughs> we'll have some un- unpacking. So Let's go ahead and let, hear what this uh, TikToker has to say. Then we will uh, 
we'll release the Kraken. Are there examples of Christians practicing witchcraft in the Bible? This is a great conversation, and shout out to Lucille for inviting me into it. I'll tag her below if you're not already following her, you should be. Before I answer this, let me tell you what my definition of witchcraft actually is, because I feel like those in the dictionaries are poorly defined and heavily influenced by negative Western ideas about what witches actually are. To me, witchcraft is a physical act or ritual that is representative of spiritual power, either your own or that of your deities, that results in your intention becoming manifest. Based on that definition, you find witchcraft in literally every religion. And it also means, in my opinion, that one of the most badass witches that ever existed was Jesus Christ himself. First, you've got the laying of hands to heal. Modern medicine has pretty much already proved that this is possible through the placebo effect. What you believe happens. He walks on water. To me, that's the bending of elements. He casts demons out, witches would call that a banishing. And that part where he breaks bread and says, eat this, this is my body, well, that's taking an ingredient, giving that ingredient an intention that will manifest in the user. That's not any different from how we use crystals, herbs, oils, and spells. He creates massive amounts of food out of nothing to feed everybody, and I'd love to master that whole turning water into wine thing. Baptism is a cleansing ritual. Holy oils are used for multiple purposes in the Bible. I have to mention that because I'm a huge fan of oils in my craft. And most Christians completely skip past that whole frankincense and myrrh thing. It's almost like the Magi already knew what he was. So yeah, maybe highly controversial, but in my opinion, Jesus was a witch. I'm a big fan. Wow, that's, uh, so how do we unpack that? Should we uh, just pack up our bag and say, we're done? You know, irrefutable argument. We just, you know, that's it. Throw in the towel. Or do we have a response to that? (laughs) Oh, definitely there's a response. Um, And she brought up something that was mentioned in the very first video that I forgot about. And I want to address that. So she she refers to it about the frankincense and myrrh being given to Jesus. She said it's almost like the Magi recognized who he was. So I do want to say something about that real quickly. The They gave that to Jesus uh, because those were very expensive items. And they were honoring Christ. Um, it's also sometimes some believe uh, that those represented things like one represented the sweet aroma uh, that later it's the New Testament talks about those who believe in Christ carry a sweet aroma of Christ and that Jesus's sacrifice on the cross was a sweet aroma to God. And one of the other um, items, I think it was myrrh, which is bitter, is used, I think, in, for burial or maybe it represented the bitterness of his death. Anyway, sometimes people see those three gifts as symbolic of Jesus's life, his sacrifice and his what's going to eventually be his death. Um, And it's also um, actually presents that were very expensive that honored Christ because the Magi who were pagans recognized Jesus as divine. This is they it says they bowed down and worshiped him. The first recorded worshipers of Jesus in the Bible are the pagan Magi Um, and Magi were were probably, uh, you know, the Magi. I did a whole project on this in seminary. So I I mean, a whole paper Mm. on the Magi. So I I looked up the word and the Old Testament derivation of it and everything. Um, And that's where magic comes from, the word magic. But the Magi were wise men who counseled. Uh, kings and rulers. And at that time, a wise man was somebody who was considered learned. He was educated in the healing arts, 
He was educated in mathematics and he was educated in at that time, what was a combination of astronomy and astrology. Naturally, they, they didn't have either of those words. Astronomy or astrology did not exist at that time. Those words came much later, but they followed what they thought were the patterns in the sky and they believed there was a meaning in them. That, that part of it is astrology. Um, and of course, God condemns astrology. So the fact God used Magi doesn't mean God endorses astrology. Mm. It means that God can use pagans to recognize Christ and he can use pagans uh, for any purpose he has. And the gospel is going to go out to the Gentiles. This is a theme in the gospel of Matthew and the account of the Magi in Matthew um, is only found in Matthew. The account of the Magi is not in any of the other Gospels. It is only in the very, very Jewish Gospel of Matthew. And that's very significant because there is a theme throughout Matthew that the Gospel is going to go to the Gentiles. They're like little previews of it. And it comes right at the beginning there in Matthew chapter 2 with the Magi. So I have talked a lot about the Magi on some broadcasts and stuff. So I, I, you know, I don't want to keep on going on that because I could I could talk even more about it, but I do want to make those points. So the gifts weren't given to Jesus because they represented some kind of like special supernatural power. And the other thing that she said that she's wrong about, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians have this wrong. A lot of Christians are into essential oils. Essential mm. oils are not in the Bible. And people keep telling me, but they're in the Bible. No, they're not. The process for making essential oils did not exist until at least 800 years after the Bible was written. They didn't know how to make essential oils. The oils in the Bible are diffused oils. They're not essential oils. There's a difference. Uh, essential oils are supposedly um, oils that are coming from the essence of the plant. And they're very, very, they're highly concentrated, which actually makes them dangerous. So essentially, the use of essential oils can be very dangerous. Mm. Um, and uh, it, the oils in the Bible are diffused oils, and they were mostly used for practical purposes, like, like lamps, like lighting lamps. Um, when they're used, uh, when they say to put oil on somebody and pray for them in James, it, they're used symbolically. Some think that, the, that sometimes it represents the Holy Spirit. It was not that the oil is the Holy Spirit, but it represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So there are different biblical ways you can go with those oils, but they weren't essential oils. So that has nothing to do with the essential oils used today, because I heard she said she liked oils, and I'm sure she's talking about essential oils. Well, mm. that's okay. She likes them, but they have nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> right. Um, and then some of the other examples she brought we addressed in the first video some of the like the walking on water um and her definition of witchcraft was she kind of redefined it so it would suit what she wanted to say that it's some kind of power that you get from your deities i think she said your gods that you believe in and then you use it to manifest something well that is which that is witchcraft i mean in in a sense that's a, in a generic sense that's what witchcraft is but Jesus didn't have to get any power from anywhere. Jesus has natural power as part of who he is. 
Yeah, um, he wasn't tapped into he wasn't tapped into something uh, yeah. outside outside of himself. I mean, he's he's right. the, all things were created by him and for him. In him are all things, and in, and in him all things hold together. So again, it's a it's a it's a it's basically another category error where they're looking at this this late young lady is looking at these particular supernatural events, which is really reality, pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and even a lot of the, all of the miracles that right. he did were used to you know show that he indeed was the son of god he was god come in the flesh and so again she's making some definitive category errors and it is and it is interesting too you know you mentioned that here we are we finally got to mention you know people have asked us about we finally talked about essential oils the one and only time on cultish so <laughs> the the only and actually just jokingly we uh we have a new sponsor of the show a good friend of ours at our church uh, jeremy rule he has a company uh forged beer Co- forged beard company forgedbeardco.com shout out to shout out to a little shout out there but he's got a uh, different beard balms beard oil stuff like that you know for just for like hair beard care products so we jokingly said on social media this is the only this is as close to an essential oil that will ever sponsor or endorse <laughs> yeah but, i don't um, know is he actually selling essential oils or are they just no like, just like beard, just like just like uh beard oil just like oil for like a beard so it doesn't get dry because outside oh. of putting anything in there oh, you know, okay. it gets all it gets all like dry and being irritable right. and stuff like that right. so right. um but yeah, that, that's definitely the case. Uh, Andrew, do you have any thoughts on some of the claims that she made before we jump into the next clip? Yeah, and I want to I want to address the baptism one real quick because I think that's yeah, really that was a good one. Oh, okay. Baptism. Let's let's try to think about it as a witcher, Wiccan, whatever, um, whatever they want to call themselves. It, they would they would assume I, uh, essentially the water is a method or an object in form of a ritual for cleansing is what I heard. Yeah. Well, that's not what the Bible says about baptism it says it's not a removal from the dirt of a body of your right. body but uh, an appeal of a clean clean conscience to god in first peter three twenty one. but also in colossians it states that baptism signifies being buried and resurrected with christ that's it right. it doesn't literally cleanse us from anything it's only the blood of christ and the holy spirit taking our heart of stone and replacing it with the heart of flesh that cleanses us there's no object no water no food None of that, no ritual other than the act of God himself taking our heart of stone and replacing with the heart of flesh. Again, the medium's gone. There's only one mediator between man and God, and that is Jesus Christ, God himself. No ritual. Yeah. God does it. It's an act that's of God. That's a good point. Yes. That's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot about the baptism part. And baptism is, is seen by most Christians as symbolic of the fact that you have died with Christ and been resurrected to new life. Um, and so you're acting it out in a symbolic way if you do the, well, especially the baptism by immersion, although not all Christians use that method. But whatever method it is, it is symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I want to quickly mention that um, Jesus actually had to deal with people. Like she was saying Jesus was a witch. He actually had to deal with people. They were the Pharisees who said they, he was doing his power by the power of, of Satan. And he strongly rebuked the people who said that and told them that was a, that actually was an unforgivable sin because they were saying that from unbelief because they did not recognize him as the Messiah. And as Andrew pointed out, um, the miracles Jesus did were a fulfillment of prophecies in the Old Testament. And Jesus was fulfilling 
that those prophecies and doing miracles was one of the one of the things he did that showed he was the Messiah. They refused to recognize him that way and said he was doing his miracles by the power of Satan. And actually, he, Jesus, we know the Holy Spirit, when Jesus does baptism, is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him. Jesus does miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, he is, but he's God, and he is able to do what he, well, he all, and he also said when he was on earth, he only did what the father told him to do. So he lived in complete obedience to the father, but the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are always in unity and harmony. There's never any dissension or, you know, one going one way and one going the other. <laughs> They're always in harmony and unity because they are in one Godhead. So um, the fact that she said Jesus is a witch made me think of the Pharisees accusing Jesus, although she's saying it mm. as a compliment. Uh, she, you know, to her, that's, that's a compliment. But of course, when the Pharisees said this, they were accusing Jesus. But Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies. Oh, I want to mention real quickly before I forget, in the Old Testament, there's not a single case, not a single one of any miraculous healing of a blind person. That is one thing that doesn't happen. You have dead people being raised. You have sick people being made well. You have lepers being healed. You don't have a single blind person in the Old Testament being made to see. That happens when? That happens only when Jesus comes. And he, there's several accounts of Jesus healing blind people. There's a long one in John chapter 9, incredible chapter. But in, in all the Gospels, there are various accounts of Jesus healing blind people. And this was never even done in the Old Testament. This was one of the most significant miracles because it's predicted in Isaiah 35. And I think there's one other passage that I've forgotten, but I'm pretty sure it's in Isaiah 35. There is a prophecy, um, a messianic prophecy, and it includes uh, making the blind see. So I want to mention that since we're talking about miracles. <laughs> mm. No, that that's really good. And that's one of the things too, while, you know, and again, this is just something that when we look at these equivalents being made, we shouldn't fear these people. These right. are people that are, they're right. desperately, you know, seeking out for help, def desperately seeking out for, for answers, but not from, but not from the, you know, the King of King and the, and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, but they're looking at, they're looking through it from the forces of evil. But the thing that does alarm me, and it is concerning, honestly, it breaks my heart, is that they, in order to justify their practices, they're trying to equate what is a, is a miraculous act of God with witchcraft, mm -hmm. which God calls an, calls an abomination. So in other words, they're in order to justify what God calls abominable, they're now having to describe what God does and elsewhere with good supernatural acts, they're having to call that abominable too. So they're putting right. themselves in dangerous category, not saying it's the unforgivable sin or anything of that nature. I mean, there's plenty right. of people right. that we've interacted with who are former witches, people who are, in, who are involved in all aspects of the new age, the occult and the supernatural that God says is off limits and now have freedom in Christ. But it, it, it is indicative of the fact that uh, this is just this is just the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, and how they're trying to reason in order to justify what they're doing. But at the end of the day, you know, biblically, we can kind of look into their mindset 
that these pe- that the all of these uh, young ladies, these TikTokers, they know God. They're without excuse. They're suppressing that truth and unrighteousness. And and sin is one of those things. It's not just witchcraft. We have the ability to get really creative in ways that, you know, in order to justify our behavior in ways that we're in rebellion against God. You think of one of the yeah. very first sins. Well, God, the woman who you gave me, she made me do this. Yeah. Right. So you're kind of seeing that lived out. So uh, that right away. And I want oh, yeah. to, I, I, in case anyone's confused, I am not saying anybody's doing it. I do not think my view is the unforgivable sin Jesus spoke of cannot be done today. I right. think it could only have been committed while he was there and people actually witnessed him doing these miracles and rejected him as the Messiah because they saw it right in front of them. And God was saying, you know, you've got everything right here showing you this is the Messiah and you are saying, no, he's doing it by the power of Satan. In other words, you are rejecting the Messiah. And that was to me, I think that when Jesus said that, it was very specifically to those people. Um, there's an account, account of it in two different gospels. And I've read both of them. And this question comes up a lot just within the church about what is the unforgivable sin. There's so much confusion on it. So I personally think, along with others, that it could only have been committed at that time. Um, and it was probably only committed by those people that Jesus spoke to. So that's my hmm. position you can always come to Christ. It doesn't matter. And exactly. I want to say one more thing, because in witchcraft, sometimes they will hear once they've dedicated themselves to witchcraft, they can never undo it. And they could never, for example, if they think they were raised Christian or were at one time a Christian and they become a witch, they're they're told that they can't ever go back. They could never become a Christian. Right. They're beyond Christ. That is just not true. Mm-hmm. And I've actually talked to witches who believe that. So I want to say very clearly to anybody listening who's in witchcraft, it's never too late. You can always go to Christ. His forgiveness covers anything that you have done or think you have done. Because mm. the power of Christ's forgiveness is in his atoning death on the cross, which is way more powerful than any sin you could commit. You can't commit a sin that is more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. So, you know, and that goes to Christians, too, who sometimes think they've sinned and can't be forgiven. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. It's sufficient for forgiveness of any sin. So I want to make that clear. Nobody needs to think that they can't come to Christ or that they can't be forgiven. Amen. I want to, I want to piggyback off that real quick because it's such a powerful thing, like, the Bible presents humanity as this. We are spiritually dead. There's only one way to go right from there is up. You can't go further down into your right. sin. You're already a slave to sin. Right. The gospel is the answer. That's the warfare that's talked about in Ephesians 6, remembering who Christ is, putting on the full armor of God, using the sword, right? The word of God, which does what points to the Messiah. We do want to see witchcraft and Wicca end but not as bloody bodies in the streets no. by no means it's not a flesh and blood it's by you coming from spirit being spiritually dead and brought to life in jesus christ through the power of the gospel that's okay. it god is the conqueror of nations but he's also the conqueror of hearts and he's the only one that can do it you can't you can't go any further down we want you to go we want you to go up and be with be with jesus well that's what my whole ministry is christian answers for the new age is part of it is to reach those in the new age and the occult people Mm -hmm. in Wiccan witchcraft. My ministry 
you know, the two goals of it, it, educating Christians on the new age and the occult and reaching those in the new age and the occult. That's why I, I have conversations with Wiccans and witches in my ministry. And so it's the opposite of being against anybody. It's totally opposite of that. It's just wanting to share the truth of Christ with people. Mm-hmm. That, that is exactly, I am, I'm actually, I actually am supported as a missionary. I have a mission agency. So I am a missionary to people in the new age and the occult. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, you know, just we're going, we're making it clear. We are not against people. We're not, we're not looking on you as an enemy. Exactly. And I just as before we jump on to the next clip, which is one thing I want to comment on quickly. I mean, as long as we've been in cultish and, and been doing this ministry, we've seen a lot of sort of the interaction uh, with different people, but I've seen different even uh, New Age groups, or even former New Agers, people who've become Christians, but they still have this mindset, almost like this they're still got that, that New Age mindset still being a Christian. And some of that has to do with the fact that maybe they are in a spot where they had such certainty that they had all this knowledge that they were in the truth, that they were in the know. Then they realized it was all deception, which is all it was done. And that's via satanic power. But then all of a sudden there still becomes this overemphasis on it, even being a Christian where they'll look at, you know, areas in the world, they'll look at certain people who are still in the new age and will say, Oh, they've sold their soul to Satan or (laughs) that there's no way that they can be saved. I'm like, well, Right. Look at you. Look at who. Look at who you previously were. And I'll give ex- oh, yeah. For a long time. For a very, very long time. I mean. Yeah. I, mean, I was over forty when I was saved. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, but... it's God can reach anybody. There's not. My father was saved when he uh, shortly before his 80th birthday, literally on his deathbed. He had been a lifelong agnostic, raised by an atheist father. So you know. God, there's nobody beyond God's reach. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And just just to give a, give a very general example before we jump on is that people I've seen certain people talk about uh, the pop artist Katy Perry, and suppose you know I guess her story is that she kind of grew up in the Christian church and she was going to be a gospel singer, and then she, ba- from what I understand, the story is that she sold her soul to Satan and to the to Hollywood or whatever, and now she's just now she's sort of this agent of Satan and marketing this stuff. And now what's interesting too, is that if you go to some of her music videos, there are certain ones that have a lot of Hinduistic symbolism and, and, and there's, and there's that category there, but biblically we should not, that shouldn't scare us. We should be aware of that, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. But you realize that God is perfect. He's all powerful. He's perfectly able to save Katy Perry from any from any aspect of whatever she's under the influence of, and that's honestly what we should, we should hope and pray for someone like Katy Perry or Russell Brand or J.P. Sears or uh, Aubrey Marcus or any of these influencers, or really anyone, no matter how given over they are, there's no one who's outside of the grace and mercy of God. And so right. when it comes to dealing right. with uh, even those people or these people on TikTok, we have to realize first and foremost these people are image bearers of God and they were created for worship and fellowship and relationship with God. And they're trying to pursue that through a spiritual narcotic that is witchcraft and Wicca. So honestly, when we right. look at this, we don't, we shouldn't use these as examples to make fun of them. We're not mocking them. We're, we're critiquing their worldview, their mindset and how we're viewing these things. And our hope isn't that we can say, ha, we, well, we're right. You're wrong. We won the argument. We walk away. No, that's not our goal. Our goal is that, each one of these uh, 
people on TikTok, these young ladies, would come to know the true and living God. Uh, and so on that note, let me go ahead. The next one is uh, Reverend Rosie. This is a Reverend Rosie on TikTok, and she is going to be defending, giving her 30 to 60 second case to defend witchcraft. So let's see what Reverend Rosie has to say. Hello, beloveds. I'm Reverend Rosie, and this is about to stir the pot. Have you ever lit a candle in an old cathedral as a prayer? Have you ever prayed to the Holy Spirit to make something manifest in your life? Have you participated in a baptism? Do you have old ancient words written on things and posted around your house? Have you blessed something with holy oil? Do you ever taken a walk in nature and found a deeper connection with God? Have you ever been invited to come to the altar of grace and receive a blessing? Dear ones, all of these things and more could be considered witchcraft. And so my question for you is, does it make you uncomfortable that other people have a spiritual practice and use the language differently? Or does it make you uncomfortable that you do it? Again, a lot of the same similar arguments and comparisons from previous videos, but we are seeing a pattern here. Um, is there anything that she says that's different from the other other videos that kind of sticks out to you that we haven't responded to yet? She mentioned the Holy Spirit. I don't think any of the others mentioned the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, there may have been a couple other things she said. I've, uh, did she? What did she say? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Pray or? to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To, to manifest it's interesting things. that she said that because actually um, I haven't ever found a belief in the Holy Spirit among what. Wiccans or witches or even New Agers. Um, if if there is a reference, uh, actually, I don't even know that I've ever heard a reference. If there were to be one, they would probably redefine the Holy Spirit or they would probably say it's the same as spirit because the term spirit is very common in the New Age and the occult. Um, for example, and I've, I've come across a lot of confusion on this, and I actually finally put it in one of my articles on my website. Um, I have an article on, um, it's on spirit guides. And part of that article is who is spirit or what is spirit, because you will hear mediums and psychics, for example, talk about spirit. They'll say, well, spirit told me that, or even Wiccans or witches, and they'll say, spirit told me that or that was from spirit that was a gift from spirit and some christians actually think they're talking about the holy spirit but they're not of course talking about the holy spirit but they may be and maybe she's equating the holy spirit with spirit so when she says have you ever prayed to the holy spirit she's thinking well that's the same as what we call spirit so if you pray to the holy spirit then you're just doing christians you as a christian are just doing what i as a witch do you know, I talk to spirit or I appeal to spirit and spirit is this very nebulous thing. It's never, never defined, but it's kind of this force or energy, or maybe it's kind of as a substitute for God. And, you know, everything comes from spirit or it could refer to what mediums think of as the spiritual world, which is the world of the dead. Um, so there's a lot of different possible meanings for it, depending on who's using it. But that term spirit gets confused with the Holy Spirit. So the mm. fact she said that caught my attention. And I thought immediately thought it's the word spirit, which yeah. I think may be what she is talking about. And of course, none of the things she said 
um, are, are, are something that you actually have to do in Christianity. Do, do you light a candle? Do you bless somebody? Well, in, in biblical terms, blessing someone is very different from what it is in witchcraft. There's not a supernatural element to it. We're not blessing something um, to bring some kind of power to it, if that's what she means, which is what I think she means. We don't do things and we don't pray. Another thing that I, I heard, even when I was in the new age, I heard this from witches. I heard prayers are the same as casting spells <clears throat> because you know, they'll say, and I've, I've heard it from a lot of Wiccans or witches who have, who have contacted me and they'll say, well, you know, when you pray, you're just doing what we do when we cast a spell, it's the same thing. And no, it's not. No, because a prayer in Christianity is not some kind of ritual or procedure to make something happen. A casting a spell is going through some certain steps in order to achieve an outcome, usually to make something manifest, to bring something into reality that is not yet in reality. A prayer is not, we're not doing some kind of ritual to get something to manifest. Yes, sometimes people pray for actual things. Maybe they'll pray that God will enable them to buy a new car because their car right. has fallen apart. But they don't think that by the prayer they're going. And if they do think this, they're not being biblical because unfortunately right. you have like the word of faith movement and some other cultic movements within the church where they think if you say a certain thing, you can make it happen. Mm. They say you have the power of, of life and death in your tongue and you have the if you're a Christian, then you have the power like God has, and you can speak things into existence. If anybody hearing that who's not a Christian hears that, I want you to know that is not biblical and that is not Christianity. That is actually closer to the occult. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's a deception in the church and it's not biblical and it's not what Jesus taught. When we petition God for anything, it we're the, the way to do it biblically is to put it under his will. If it is your will, Lord, then I pray for X, Y, Z. If it is your will, I pray for a raise from my boss. I pray for the money to buy a new car, or I pray for the money to, you know, pay my bills or whatever it is you're petitioning God for. You're doing it according to his will and how he works it out. And he may provide what you need in another way, a way that you haven't thought of because mm. he has a, a better way of doing things. You know, we think we can tell God, you know, this is going to solve my problem, Lord. So <laughs> here's what I'd like to see happen, you know, yeah. oh, and yeah. God may have a completely yeah. different plan. Well, yeah. he, we are to yield to that. We are to yield to his will. So prayer is actually a way of submitting to God. It's not mm. a way of getting what we want. Yeah. yeah, and again, it just shows you sometimes it's very important to define terms, uh, both right. when you're when you're talking to someone who's who's a cultist or in the New Age, but also sometimes you have to. Let's say if you're in conversation with them, I would just try and really get to like, what do you think you what do you mean by that? Because a lot of times they'll have a perception of Christianity based off of their own confirmation biases or presuppositions, or even kind of viewing it through the lens of her own worldview. And even if she's unintentional in doing so, she's giving some really gross misrepresentations. And, but yeah. you'd want to think though, with tact, not to say, Oh, I gotcha. I'm going to show you in 10 different ways that you're wrong. Yeah. But 
show them in such a way to get them to think, to actually get them to understand. Because sometimes just in the process of getting them to understand what we actually believe, you actually get to give them the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation. Yeah. So it's kind of like sometimes it can be like a no look pass, you know, you could, it just, it happens that way. So, um, yeah. The next thing I want to just jump into, and this is uh, going to be a very I interesting. Andrew, I think Andrew. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Andrew. <laughs> so like the, the thing is, is the answer to most of these questions, it's, it's have you not read, yes. right? Like the woman who calls herself the reverend and then goes into these things, what she's doing is she's forsaking the law of God for the sake of her tradition. Mm-hmm. And this is the same exact error that the Pharisees had concluded. If, if she would only read her Bible to go to how Jesus prayed, right? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus in the garden, he's praying. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done, right? If a prayer gets answered from a Christian, it's not because your will manifested anything into this reality. No, it's like your will aligned with God's will in that moment in prayer is for us to be in communion with God, but it's only mediated by the blood of Christ. And it's God who makes those things happen. The prayer isn't the medium, right? It's God's will in him making it happen. Right. Very true. Yeah. Couldn't have been a better way to say that, Andrew. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, go back to what you're doing, Jay. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. You're good, man. Uh, and just so you know, too, even though we're on Zoom here, we got amazing technology. There is a little bit, sometimes a little bit of a time delay, so just be wary of that. Um, but so the next uh, video, this is going to be a very interesting one to unpack. Um, and so I'm going to just give you the title. I'm going to give you my thoughts before I even play the clip. And you'll give we you can also uh, give us your commentary as well too, Marcia. Uh, the category, the title for this tech talk video says Christianity says I can be a witch and a queer. Um, so before I even play that, it's it's interesting. Um, the one thing that came to mind in our research as we were kind of going through a lot of the footage and kind of the marketplace of ideas, there seemed to be this really interesting appeal both to uh, people who identify themselves. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode um, as uh, feminist witches, where you know witch, witchcraft and feminism, there seem to be they seem to kind of go hand in hand with the power of the masculine and feminine. And in the whole process of witchcraft and Wicca, it's it, a huge aspect of it is identity, but and it's sort of almost redefining the roles of male and female in, in their worldview. And as we know, when you right now, when you look at the whole discussion of gender, it's really a role of identity, and also dealing with this uh, strictly from a Christian worldview, that you know, God, this is male and female; He created them, that we're made uniquely in the image of God. We're both male and female are equal before God. I believe we have unique and distinct roles where we're different from each other yet equal. So a lot of this is a unique aspect of identity, and you're, and it seems to me, seems to be that there's a distortion in the world of in in Wicca, but now with the implosion of the people really kind of dealing with and struggling with uh, gender identity, and now this is just a huge part of politics, what have you, um, there seems to be a huge appeal uh, to people having these types of conversations now. And, and this is just to say, this is the zeitgeist, this is the spirit of the age. And as we look at people having these conversations, one, we need to have love and compassion for these people. We, our hearts need to break for them, but we need to give that. We need to have answers for this, just like anything else. So, 
Okay, so Marsha, the next one uh, we'll just look at. This is another uh, TikTok TikToker influencer, uh, and this is someone. Uh, the cat. This cat. The topic is called Christian witch and animistic. So I believe this is another person uh, trying to. It's about a sixty second clip, doing their best to justify. Uh, I believe their practices of witchcraft. So let's see if there's anything distinct from uh, other uh, the other clips that we've heard, and let's let's uh, let's uh, hear what this person says and we'll unpack it. So I identify as a Christian witch and a Christian mystic. Those are two different things, and I practice both. A lot of Christians are like, you can't be a Christian witch. That's like, le- that's legitimately two opposites. And in a way, you have a point because I do not identify as a Christian in the sense of what the church preaches, from th- you know the Roman Catholic Church to Protestants to what we have today. I still identify as a Christian because I feel like I cannot negate the responsibility that I have as someone who was raised evangelical and now is an ex-evangelical to just like not have anything to do with the church. I believe with my privilege, it's now my job and responsibility to be part of the reformation in the church. And the reason why I still identify as a Christian, as a Christian witch and mystic, is because I follow the teachings of Yeshua, who's a Buddhist, by the way. If you follow Jesus, you definitely are familiar with witchcraft. Okay. All right. Um, okay, we got Buddha in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that she had like, that was the cherry on top for sure. Um, what, what's that? What sticks out to you in, in in contrast to the other clips that we played? Yeah, she's um, yeah. It's a little different. She's not talking about any of the miracles or the powers of witchcraft like like in the other videos. Um, she's more along the lines of seeing Jesus in a particular way. Um, and she says, actually, he was a Buddhist. Okay. There is out there, separate from the whole witchcraft realm, this idea that Jesus and Buddha taught the same things. This is a very common idea in the new age. And you even have books out there. People have written, you know, Jesus and Buddha. And I actually addressed it on Facebook a few times and I have an article um, on Buddhism on my website because I was responding partly to this idea that Jesus and Buddha taught the same thing. So I do want to address that. Uh, she's saying, I think what she's saying is, okay, she says she's not following Christianity the way that it's normally taught by the church, you know, so she's putting herself outside of the church with her own brand of Christianity. Well, you can't do that because the church is the body of believers. The universal church in the, in the, in the, you know, the generic sense of the word uh, or what's sometimes called the invisible church is the body of believers. Uh, Jesus established the church. He's the head of the church. And so once you have trusted in the true Jesus Christ, you are part of the church, whether you like it or not. Whether you're going to a building or not, or whether you're going to a Baptist church or a Lutheran church or a Methodist church or whatever, you're still part of that invisible church, the body of Christ. I think she's making a distinction between being a Christian in her ideas of what it is and being a Christian in the church in terms of like denominations or what she probably sees as organized religion, although she didn't use that term. Um, but that then you're not in Christ because if you're not part of the church, you're not part of the body of Christ. Um, so she's kind of formed her own 
brand of Christianity, basically. Um, and she's not following Yeshua. She's not following him because he said he, he started the church in Matthew 16. He makes a statement about that to Peter. Um, and actually, he's making that statement in front of a cave where the pagan gods were worshipped. Uh, it was a very pagan place where he made that statement. It's very interesting that Jesus chose that spot hmm. um, and said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In other words, Satan cannot destroy the church. It's impossible because Jesus is the head of the church and Satan can't destroy Jesus. Hmm. So um, she's put herself outside of Yeshua's church. So at the same time, she says she's following Yeshua, but she actually isn't. Uh, and in terms of Buddha and Jesus, although some of the things Buddha supposedly said may sound similar to some of the things Jesus said, the context is completely different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the context of Buddhism and Christianity are so, so different. In Buddhism, you have the idea that all that exists is Buddha nature or Buddha mind. Nothing else actually exists. Even the self, the individual self, actually does not exist in Buddhism. Um, and you actually are supposed to come to that realization in order to achieve liberation. You will keep having rebirth in this world and keep having suffering until you realize yourself actually does not exist. And so then there's teachings and processes you go through supposedly to come to that realization, such as mindfulness. Mm -hmm. which I have articles on on my website, just FYI. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the worldview of Buddhism, whereas in, in the worldview of Christianity and what Jesus taught, every individual is, is a, a unique person made in the image of God. God created man. Um, we are not, we each have a true self. We really have a self and a self that is permanent. It's going to go on forever, even after death. And the question is, where, which eternity is the self going to be in after death? Is it going to be with God or without God? That's, that's the two choices. So it's very different because we exist. In Buddhism, we don't really exist. God exists, but he's distinct from the universe. In Buddhism, there is no God. Buddha never talked about a God. He didn't deny God, but he never spoke of it, according to what Buddha supposedly said. And I want to point out the teachings of Buddha were not written down until at least 500 years after his death versus the Bible, where we have some of the Bible written, like I think within 30 years of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. a very short, a very short time period. There were people who still remembered Jesus. When the Bible was being written um, in Buddhism, it was like 500 years. So nobody really knows for sure. When you see all these things, Buddha said this, Buddha said that nobody really knows for sure. Did Buddha really say that? But there was a body of teachings supposedly from Buddha that have that came about in around 29 AD um, and then developed from there. And you have many branches of Buddhism. Now, see, I was into Buddhism. I was into Tibetan mm -hmm. Buddhism and Zen Buddhism. So that's why I'm 
I'm saying so much on it because that's good. <laughs> because I have this kind of inside view of having I wasn't a Buddhist in the terms of the way that a Buddhist over in Japan or China or um, somewhere like that would have called me a Buddhist. But I took on a lot of the Buddhist ideas as I understood them as a new ager. And I read a lot of Buddhist literature. So what you basically have are two opposing worldviews and Jesus there's nothing Jesus taught that is Buddhist. Jesus actually taught more from the Jewish teachings of the Old Testament than anything else. Jesus was constantly referring to Old Testament writings, to Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. He was pointing to the prophecies. He was pointing to what was written in the Old Testament. Jesus was just, you know, once I understood the Old Testament better as a Christian and I was reading the New Testament, I was sort of blown away by how much of the Old Testament is in the four Gospels <laughs> through the mouth of Jesus, through the teachings of Jesus, because Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was raised with Old Testament teachings. That is where he, he, he was coming from. And he fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. Over 300 prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. So Jesus and the Old Testament have a very strong tie and, and with Judaism. Um, I mean, it's incredible. There's nothing Buddhist and there's nothing Buddhist about Judaism. Although a lot of Jewish people are into Buddhism. There is an appeal in Buddhism and I understand it, which I won't go into because this show isn't about Buddhism. But there is an appeal that I totally understand from Buddhism. And to see, to equate Jesus with Buddha sounds kind of, it sounds profound to a lot of people there. And because they're thinking, wow, yeah, you know, if Jesus was just teaching like what Buddha taught, then, you know, we have these teachings that we can go into Buddhism if we want, and we'll still be, you know, we'll still be believing things that Jesus taught. So it kind of gives a stamp of credibility to Buddhism to try to equate the two, but they cannot be equated. The, yeah. the worldviews are two, it's really two worldviews in contrast. Very importantly as well, what we see happening today is a resurgence of pseudo-historical claims. There was a claim made, I believe in the late 19th century by Nicholas Nutovich, who said this, I probably butchered his last name, but he claimed that during the unknown years of Jesus from his ages of 12 to 30, he went to India. And he right. learned the Buddhist philosophy. However, right. that was shown by scholars as a hoax, but most people today don't actually go back and actually do these claims. But what I find interesting is someone who claims themselves to be a mystic and a Christian quote unquote mystic believes pseudo historical sources. I mean, we saw that with the Enneagram, right? All of these Christian quote unquote mystics who believe pseudo historical sources that aren't actually backed up in history. It's just made up history in order to support uh, a view that is antithetical to the actual Bible and the actual teachings of Jesus, right? Right. Right. That's true. There is that false idea that Jesus went to the East and he learned from Hindus and Buddhist teachers and other people like that. But at that time, since the writings of Buddha weren't even um, actually around till 29 AD, that was more or less the time Jesus was crucified. So <laughs> Jesus yeah. could not have gone and learned Buddhism. Um, and of course, if he had gone anywhere um, in the East and come back with any teachings uh, that were non-Jewish, 
the Pharisees would have been all over that, like white on rice. I mean, mm. they would have been like, hey, you are teaching something completely foreign to Judaism. Um, and nobody claimed Jesus was teaching another religion. They rejected him as the Messiah, but they didn't claim he was trying to teach another religion. And that would have been great for the Pharisees to throw at him because mm -hmm. they were trying to find something to pin on him. Um, and there's no evidence that Jesus went anywhere like that, and certainly not in his teachings. But that idea is very common in the New Age. It's, I've even done a Facebook post on it. Um, there was a woman who actually, this is right up your alley, guys, who led the cult, the church, universal and triumphant. I can't think of her name. She died several years ago. She wrote a book about Jesus going to the East. It became very popular in the New Age. Um, and her name's not coming to me, but she had a, she actually was the head of a cult, a new age cult. And I actually had a housemate who was in that cult hmm. and he and his girlfriend, um, had a baby. And I stood in as a proxy godparent at the baptism of this baby, which was done by a universal church and triumphant minister. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, yeah. So I had my own little encounter with that a brief, but um, <clears throat> I know why her name isn't coming to me. I'll have to, I'll have to try to find it, give it to you later. But this was a cult. She went up, she took her followers up to like Montana or something like that. And they later found all these weapons. They had amassed all these weapons there because they were in preparation of some kind of, you know, apocalyptic, end time scenario or something um and she had quite a few followers i mean her and her book uh was read by new agers you know it was read by people who were not associated with the cult so her influence went beyond her cult as far as that book goes mm. Mm. no that's really good and that's i think we might have gotten messages that that rings a bell i feel like someone has messaged us about them but yeah you probably <laughs> heard you've probably heard of her if her name ever comes to me yeah all all these names and <laughs> calls, they, they all they all inter they all inter interconnect they all they right. all intersect right. one way way or another but um I think at the end of the day, I think both with uh, this series, the one we covered last time, that it was just kind of a lot more in-depth and historical analysis. And this one, we're just giving some uh, specific examples of, you know, how do we actually, you know, answer, uh, you know, the different claims being out there that are being made. And again, the, the examples that were used are, are people of the younger generation kind of utilizing the social media platforms of, of what they have and, and even back when you were into this stuff, Marsha, that you, you had different ways on which you would uh, try and propagate this stuff, whether, I don't know if it was audio cassettes or just flyers or whatnot, and now someone can just take up their phone, record themselves, and, and <laughs> reach out to who knows how many hundreds of uh, thousands of people. I think, though, at the end of the day, my takeaway from this, and uh, from the last episode, and especially this one, is that when we're looking at you know, the supernatural or people who are into different things categorically that would be labeled the new age or the occult or even witchcraft or Wicca, especially in, in, in light of, you know, people look at what's going on with, you know, everything surrounding Halloween and, and all that. I think when it comes down to it, a lot of times we're sort of through the lens of Hollywood and, and a lot of even the cessationalism, we're kind of led to kind of like really fear that stuff in the sense of really fearing the people that are involved yeah. in that. But as we mentioned, you know, our, our 
our battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, you know, we these are people that are image bearers of God. And if you notice this whole time, we're not trying to, you know, bring up some sort of supernatural way to like hit them back, you know, in some sort of sensationalistic way. This is no different than if we're on the street talking with anyone, regardless of what the worldview is. We're answering the questions that they have. We're answering their objections it with in with graciousness, and we're trying to uh, give them the gospel, and that's what we should do. Right. Uh, like I said, we're not a neutral podcast, and we have this point of view. But that that's my takeaway. Uh, Andrew, do you have any last thoughts? And Marsha, I'll let you wrap up with any other thoughts that you have. I, I think you uh, beautifully summarized it, brother. Like, we're here making this podcast because we want people to know that uh, witchcraft isn't the answer. Wicca is not the answer. The tools right. of the occult aren't the answer. The Bible condemns it. Why? Because it, it enslaves you and it doesn't bring you hope. And when you die, you're not going to be with God in eternity, worshiping him through the blood of Jesus. No, you're going to be in a different position. You're going to be facing the wrath of God for all eternity. And we don't want that for you. And that is the truth because that's what God's revealed word says, right? Like that's, that's our heart. That's our burden. We don't want that for people. We want you to know who you truly are in Jesus. Cause you'll never actually know who you are when you deny your maker, you'll mm. be lost and you'll be suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And that's, that's, that's where we're at, you know, and we, we don't want that. Definitely. Definitely. Marge, any other, any last thoughts you've had on this conversation or any, any other last thoughts as we wrap up here? Um, I think just, you know, I agree with what Andrew just said and what you said. Um, I want people to understand that, you know, the true Christ, the true Jesus Christ is somebody who died because of sin. He died so that sin would not be an enslavement. If you trust in Christ, it says, you know, you know, the truth, the truth makes you free. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's the only real freedom that exists is coming to trust the true Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, there's a lot of fake and false Jesuses out there, even in the church. So um, I would urge anybody who has a, in, in any least interest in what we've said and who does not know Christ, um, or doesn't think they know Christ to pick up the Bible and read one of the gospels. You know, I, I would suggest either Matthew or Luke, but if you want to read Mark or John, that's fine. And just see what Jesus has to say, see what Jesus really teaches. Notice if you have a reference Bible, how often he refers to the old Testament, because he was referring to the teachings in the old Testament or what God laid out for his people, the Jews, and it was a revelation of who he is. You know, the people had gone into worshiping pagan gods. They didn't, they've forgotten who God is. God reveals himself so that people could see who he is and how different he was from the pagan gods. This was what Exodus was about when um, Moses kept going to Pharaoh and saying, you know, God is telling you, you need to let his people go. And Pharaoh would say, okay. And then he changes mind and then yeah. God would send a plague. This was all, and God even says this over and over there in that, in that account, I am going to show Pharaoh who I am. He is going to know, he's going to recognize that I am a God who is over the other gods. Um, 
And this is because the other gods are, are not real. They're demonic powers. And so uh, the, the demonic world is very real. But, but the thing, I'm not trying to make you afraid. I, although I think that you should care about not knowing Christ. Because in the end, like Andrew said, it is an eternity without God and without mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And so God loves you. He wants you to know his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to know what he, what he did and who he is. So it's all about, to me, it's about who God is and who Jesus is. I don't think there's a lot of clarity on that today. Um, so please investigate or come to my website too, ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. You can contact me through my website. And I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page there, Christian Answers for the New Age um, page that you can find. So you can contact me there. Hmm. I just want people to know that we care and we're open to hearing from you <laughs> yeah. or if you're Christians and you have questions on this area. So I'll stop there because otherwise I'll. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know, we know. And you, well, you, you can, you can continue. You can, uh, you can carry on if you go to Christian answers for the new age uh, and, and check out that your site, definitely a lot of great resources. And as always, Marcia, it's a privilege and pleasure to have you on as always. And we look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Um, so okay. Absolutely. So if you all enjoyed this episode, go ahead and comment on our social media. Let us know what you thought. Leave us a review on iTunes, whether it's uh, five stars, one star, or whatever, wherever you fall in between. We always appreciate the feedback. And as always, a program like this cannot continue without your support. So if you feel led to go to thecultishow.com, you can donate one time or monthly. And all that being said, we'll talk to you all next time on Cultish, where we enter into the kingdom of the cults. Talk to you guys soon.